As we look at the text of Scripture this morning from Acts chapter 2, I want you to see in verse 47, even before we read this text, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. That's the rejoicing of what it is we've just been taking in as the Lord added to our number here. And that language for number is literally the language of ecclesia, which some of you will know is the word for the church, those who've been called out and have been called in to the fellowship. And so as we rejoice in receiving these new members, I simply now want to commit our path to hearing God's word and then asking him to speak through several voices this morning. So let's give attention. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 40. This is the word of the Lord. And with many other words, he, that is Peter, bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day... Attending the temple and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Some of you, probably like me, woke up on Wednesday morning to a monsoon. Do you remember this? It was raining cats and dogs on Wednesday morning. I think we had something like a, oh, I don't know, inch and a half, two inches of rain sometime during the course on Wednesday. And I don't know if this is true for you. I find it to be a law in the universe. Uh, You do not have an umbrella when you need it. Have you noticed this? Every single sunny day, it's right there in your car for you to use whenever you need it. And the first day the rain comes, it's gone. It disappears. It's a a rule of the universe. Where do missing socks go? And where are the umbrellas when you need them? The two great pivotal mysteries of our time. What you may remember more about Wednesday is the fact that the day didn't end that way. Wednesday evening was about the most beautiful sunset I think I have ever seen. I was preparing for a talk on the relationship class that we're doing on Wednesday night, and because I'm never late in preparation, um, I was right down to the wire. And I was looking out the window, and I have a beautiful shot of the Methodist spire just two blocks this way. And there were these radiant oranges and pinks and reds and yellows that were just lighting up the sky. And I found myself utterly distracted from what I actually needed to be working on. Apparently, I wasn't the only one distracted, though. There's this writer, Nathan Moore, from the Nashville Business Journal. It's a great name, Nathan. Um, 
He was so arrested by the light as well on Wednesday evening that he left work. He grabbed his camera and he went out shooting everything that he possibly could. He actually sent out a departing tweet as he left the office and told no one, photographers in Nashville, stop what you're doing, go outside, shoot something. Light like this doesn't happen often. I think a lot of people took his advice because for the next 24 hours, my Twitter feed and Facebook timeline was lit up with sunset pictures with all kinds of comments, comments like this, thank you God for wrapping up a day so beautifully, just appreciating God's handiwork. Or this one I loved, I knew God could paint some amazing scenes, but today he's just showing off. Now, when I think about Wednesday night and all of Nashville stopping and staring into the sky and grabbing some device in which to be able to capture it and then to comment on it, the only thing that we can describe that event by is the fact that it was a corporate act of praise. As a city, we were so struck by the dazzling beauty of what it is that the Lord had given to us that day that we could not help but stop and stare, and then share what it is that we saw with everyone around us. We did that because praise is the natural reaction of our hearts when we see something beautiful. When you find a great book, no one has to tell you to recommend it to someone. When you're struck by a wonderful piece of music, Nobody has to lull you into standing beside the, the iPod player to listen to it. You want to bring everyone in on it. You want everyone to share in it. Because in sharing in it, your joy in it increases all the more. Well, case in point, last night, for a couple of hours I was watching the Mississippi State-Arkansas college football game. Did y'all see that? We won. (laughs) Dak Prescott, he's the quarterback of the Mississippi State University, and he threw a pass in the second quarter to his receiver, Fred Ross, a pass that he should have never caught. It was overthrown, way out of reach, but Fred, with tremendous ability, plucked it out of the air with one hand bringing it down while at the same time dodging a defender of whom he would then dodge another defender and score a touchdown and take the first lead for Mississippi State. It was a thing of beauty, of real beauty. Now when I was watching it, Katie and Knox were sitting there with me as they have learned to love daddy's teams as well. And instinctively we all shouted for joy when we saw it. Nobody had to coach us. No one had to prod us. It just happened. And then as soon as it happened, Knox, without hesitation, ran out the door to go find Rosalind because he wanted to tell her because he knew she would be excited. And before you know it, she's in there, along with Luke, who has no idea what's going on. He's three. But he is cheering in front of the television because everybody else 
is cheering in front of the television. And we sat there watching replay after replay with our admiration of that particular catch growing with each time that we watched it. C.S. Lewis discusses in one of his essays why we do that kind of thing. Whether it's sunset or a football catch or a symphony score or a movie or just some fall leaves that we happen to pick up and take a few minutes to take in. Lewis says this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise does not merely express our joy, it completes it. It is the appointed consummation of joy that it would be shared. It's not merely a compliment that lovers tell each other how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Lewis is saying that when we see something amazing, something glorious, something beautiful, there's something inside of us that says other people need to know about this. And other people need to share in this. And as those other people know about this, and as those other people share in this, we look at their joy in the thing that we had joy in, and our joy increases. That's what John is describing in his first letter when he says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. They saw something. They heard something. And then they shared in that something. What was that? That we have fellowship with the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And John, why are you writing these things? Well, let me tell you. We're writing these things so that our joy might be complete. We're told here in Acts chapter 2 that the church was running back and forth between the temple and each other's homes. And they were breaking bread in those homes and they were swapping stories in those homes and they were sitting under the apostles' teaching in those homes. They were praying prayers in those homes. They were going out into the highways and the byways and inviting everyone in to be able to share in the beauty of something that they had seen and heard and couldn't help but proclaim. Some people think it's weird to evangelize. It's inescapable. It's no weirder than shouting at the football game. We do it because it has to come out. Our love for for who he is and for what it is that he's done and for the beauty of what's displayed in the gospel, simply you can't put a lid on it. For one to have truly glimpsed Jesus means that one has to share him. You see, the very baseline of discipleship and of evangelism is simply praising God in front of other people. Letting them see in your life and with your lip that you love him. And when they see your love of him and they see his love for them, it's transformative. Think about how can we really encourage each other to grow in godliness? Well, when we begin to glimpse the holiness and the perfections of a beautiful Savior who humbled himself, was made like a man, 
tempted in every way, yet without sin, so that you could be drawn in, sanctified, and ultimately glorified to the point that one day we can say with confidence, you will see him as he is, for you will be like him. We praise. How do we strengthen each other in trial? Well, we show each other of the endurance of the glorious Lord. How for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And he despised the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And even right now as you falter in sin and in suffering and in heartache and you're ready to throw in the towel, he upholds you by his righteous right hand. He intercedes for you with the power of the Spirit. He represents you in the presence of the Father. He's the one who clothes you in the righteousness of Christ. We praise. How do we extend healing to those who are hurting within our body and within our community? Well, we show them Jesus, who bore our sin in his body, who on that tree, we are told his stripes are our healing. His wounds are what bring about our restoration. And because his wounds bring about our restoration, our wounds can't totally destroy us. Indeed, our wounds over time, whether they're the wounds of a marriage that's struggling with the effects of sin, or whether it's cancer cells that are ravaging a body, we learn that those effects of the fall are no match for the grace of God. That indeed the places that are the darkest in our lives become the places of His glorious light. That the places right now you're afraid that people would see about you are actually the places where Jesus is doing His greatest work if you let it come out to the light. You know, we hardly remember that it rained all day on Wednesday because of that sunset. Those clouds, as they were spreading across the sky, were dissipating and the front was departing. But before it departed and before it dissipated, the same clouds that had created rain and dreariness and darkness all day long were the clouds now that the sunset was shining upon and had become a projection screen for the glory of God's handiwork. The same clouds that I was mumbling under my breath about that were pouring on me as I was making my way to the office door and looked by the time I got to the office door like I'd had a fight with a tsunami and lost, were the clouds I was gazing up at at the end of the day and were telling me that God is beautiful and glorious and He redeems the great darknesses of our lives. Do you see the same is true for each and every one of us in this room? That the black clouds right now that may be rolling into your life are the clouds that one day you will look at with the reflection of Jesus' light and you'll be amazed at what he's done. Those who are standing here today wouldn't have been able to do what they did just a few months ago. 
And who knows what's coming ahead for any of us. That's why we have to remember that it was Christ who experienced the storm of all storms on that hill called Golgotha. Who experienced a kind of darkness that was a true separation from His Father. And He experienced the true pouring out the rain of God's wrath upon Him. But in the midst of that darkness was God not doing His greatest work. We'd know it in a few days when Mary would show up to the tomb and the tomb would be empty and the angel would be present and he would tell her, why do you come to look for the living among the dead? Don't you know? The clouds are departing. They're dissipating. If you look up though and you look around, you'll see the sunset. Or better, you'll see the sun rise. For a new day is dawning. And so Peter writes, Count it all joy when you experience various sufferings. And James echoes that refrain. And Paul says, don't close your eyes and don't slumber, but instead awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Jesus, well, he will shine on you. Indeed he will. Indeed he will. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we would ask you to shine. Through the power of your Holy Spirit and the radiance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, shine into the various hearts this day. Only you are wise enough to reach them and to meet them and to take us to where it is that we need to be. Bless us with your light. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.